Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover Helaman chapters 1 and 2. So, uh, I really don't know what to do with myself because, you know, the last two weeks I've had to cover so many chapters and so much, just so much stuff that having only to go through six chapters this week, I was able to find and go through a lot of a lot more uh, additional resources and, and quotes and things, and so I want to make sure I pull those in. Um, I think, you know, we'll just see how long these go, but I think that these episodes should be quick and brief and be able to just uh, help you on your way as you start your study this week, or maybe not start, I don't know, whenever you want to listen to it, but help you along your your study this week. So, broad overview here, chapters one and two, it's kind of, you know, we did have the overview uh, episode previously that's overview of the entire six. So let's zoom in a little bit closer and do an overview of chapters one and two, and then kind of break them down. So in chapter one, Pahorn dies, and there are he has three sons who wanted to become the chief judge. One of them wins the voice of the people. Basically, they support him. One uh, once he realizes that his brother has has the voice of the people. He supports his brother. But a third, um, and the people who support the third, are none too happy, and they end up hiring a hitman, basically. One of, and they go and kill the new chief judge. And this this type of inner turmoil and contention, okay, I want just like, I mean, obviously, probably you've all read the Book of Mormon, you probably know the story somewhat of what's going to happen anyway, but I want you to... Kind of pretend like maybe you haven't. And I want you to think about what do you think that's going to lead to? If we go back to, uh, I don't know, chapter 53, verse 9, and say, And thus because of the iniquity amongst themselves, yea, because of the dissensions and intrigue among themselves, they are placed in the most dangerous circumstances. And if we read Alma chapter 50. Verse 21, and we see that these promises have been verified to the people of Nephi, for it has been their quarrelings and their contentions and their murderings and their plunderings and their idolatry and their whoredoms and their abominations, which were among themselves, which brought upon them their wars and their destructions. So, knowing that, what do you think is going to happen? If you guessed they were going to live happily ever after, then I don't know what book you've been reading, but if you guessed, that this inner turmoil and conflict, you know, literally killing their own leader, uh, would lead to them uh, having some significant losses and uh, some heartache from the Lamanites. You guessed right. So while this is all going on, uh, the Lamanites got together. Uh, his name is, I don't even know, Tubaloth. We'll call him Tubaloth. is one of the names that I really struggle with, actually. For whatever reason. Uh, he's the son of Amaron. So this would be the nephew of Amalekiah. The Nephite dissenter who started all the wars in, in Alma. Uh, he gets his people together and says, Yeah, we should go fight some more. And there's a guy named Coriantumr who leads the armies. And again, let's look for some patterns here. Verse 17. Therefore he did stir them up to anger. It's exactly what Amalekiah did. It's what Amlicite did. It's what they all do. It's the same playbook over and over. They stir them up to anger and so that they can control them. And where do they go? They go straight to the heart of the Nephite land. 
they don't mess around with the, the, the outer cities that, that we'd read all about in the war chapters. They go straight to Zarahemla. And they thought, hey, we're cool. We're chill here. We're in Zarahemla. We're safe. We're in the heart of the land. But nope, they weren't. Coriantumr marches straight in, takes the city of Zarahemla. And, uh, I mean, this is the capital city falling. This is not a small thing. We read all of those chapters in the war chapters, and not one time did the Lamanites get very close to taking Zarahemla. But right here, because of their intrigue, because of their dissensions, because of their wickedness, they fall into the, they, the, whole, the capital city falls. That's not good enough for Coriantumr, though. Now, something to note is, uh, from what we can tell, and there's multiple verses throughout, uh, Moroni Ha, who is the son of Moroni, is the commander of the, the Nephite army. He's a good guy. He's He learned from his dad. He's a good guy. So they at least have, the Nephites at least have that going for him. So Moroni Ha is caught off guard because he'd kind of continued the same thing that his dad had done in, in fortifying these cities, but it was the outer cities. So he's caught off guard, but... Uh, luckily for the Nephites, the Coriantumr was not satisfied. He wanted to cut straight through, through Zarahemla, north to Zarahemla, to the land Bountiful, which is the land northward. Because again, just like, remember the geography that we've talked about in the last few weeks, cut, if you can get to the north, you can then be on the north and the south and kind of hem the Nephites in and they have nowhere to run to. And so you could just kind of keep squeezing them. So... That's Coriantumr's plan. He tries to go and get Bountiful, but... And there, I mean, there's a lot of destruction and death and women and children killed. But because he tries to do that, a little, maybe over too, a little too zealous, it says that Coriantumr plunged the Lamanites into the midst of the Nephites in so much that they were in, in uh, the power of the Nephites. So what happens is now, because he's cutting kind of... Imagine like a circle. Don't know the exact geography, but just imagine a circle and pretend Zarahemla is right in the middle and Bountiful's at the t- in the middle top. And the land south, so south of that circle is another land, and that's Lehi-Nephi. That's where the Lamanites are. So imagine this circle is the land of the Nephites, and right in the middle is Zarahemla. Middle top is Bountiful. There's cities all around, right? And the Lamanite army just went right to the middle, took over Zarahemla, and then continued on to go to Bountiful. But what happened is on their way to Bountiful, really, Moroniha has time to get word out to his other armies. And where their strongest armies were all on the edges, so, I mean, it's more complicated than this, but just for simplicity's sake, imagine that circle. And all the edges are powerful military uh, bases. And so, Moroniha says, hey guys, come help. So they all come from all directions now, and they end up surrounding Cor- Um and kicking the Lamanites out. They take, take prisoners, and they kick them out. They retake Zarahemla. So, uh, there's some good things that end up happening there. But, let's talk about why and what happened. And then we'll get into chapter 2. This is from the seminary, or the, excuse me, Institute Manual uh, from the Book of Mormon. Many of these troubles could be attributed to contention that began in the first chapter of Helaman. While some people might consider contention to be a rather innocuous sin, the following general authorities have commented on the dangers of contention. All right, so here's some, some quotes from general authorities about contention. President James E. Fowl said, When there is contention, the Spirit of the Lord will depart, regardless of who is at fault. Elder Joseph B. Worthland said, 
And the, sin, the sins of corruption, dishonesty, strife, contention, and other evils in this world are not here by chance. They are evidence of the relentless campaign of Satan and those who follow him. He uses every tool and device available to him to deceive and confuse and mislead. Uh, President Eyring said, Where people have the Spirit with them, we may expect harmony. The Spirit puts the testimony of truth in our hearts, which unifies those who share the tes- this te- that testimony. The Spirit of God never generates contention. It never generates the feelings of distinction between people which lead to strife. It leads to personal peace and a feeling of union with others. It unifies souls. A unified family and a unified church and a world at peace depend on a unified souls. So this contention is the antithesis of the Spirit of God. And when you don't have the Spirit, we're going to read in Helaman chapter 4 what happens. When you're left without the Spirit, you're left to your own power. And... When I read this quote, specific, especially the one from President Eyring, what I could I could not help but think uh, of what Zion is, and that Zion is a unified people of one heart and one mind, right? And uh, how can that be possible? It's only possible with the Spirit. How can the Spirit be there with no contention? Not just like a little contention, not just like oh, it's okay to contend with this one person because they're really wrong and they're really stupid, or it's okay to contend with this person because their opinion is dangerous or whatever. Uh, and this is where it gets complicated. I mean, let's be honest. This gets hard because like, how do you answer questions? Like, okay, well, when is it okay to go to war? That's contention. When, why We just read all the war chapters and Rona is such a good guy in Helaman and Stripling Warriors. And Well, they never went to war offensively. It was always defensively. It was always when the other person was contending with them and they had no choice but to defend um, and I think that's one that, I mean, I think there's other ways and other things and other, maybe you have insights and I'd love to hear them. Uh, but one thing I think that we learned from the war chapters was that they were the, the Nephites were never the aggressor. And, but what happens when they are the, when they're aggressive and they have contention within their own, within their own people, they no longer have the spirit. And when they had no longer had the spirit, they were ripe for a fall and Zarahemla fell. Uh, luckily for them, they were able to reclaim and Ronai Ha did reclaim it. Um, chapter, let's move. Yeah, let's go. Let's go chapter two. And then I've got some, some thoughts and quotes that kind of, I think apply to chapters one and two. All right. So chapter two starts and they don't know who have, who to have fill the judgment seat. So let's go back to flashback. Chapter one, Pohorn died. They named, um, his son, Pahoran, we'll call him Junior. Junior gets named the chief judge. Kishkumen, um, and we hear this, the, the beginnings of the Gadiant and robbers here in chapter one. Kishkumen sneaks in and kills Pahoran. Um, they'd already kind of uh, <laughs> taken care of the third brother who wanted uh, to be the king or to be the chief judge who, who did not support Pahoran. So now the second brother, uh, whose name is Pecumini, he takes over. So Pecumini is the chief judge when all this goes down with Coriantumr that we've just talked about. And what ends up happening is when they get to Zarahemla and take over Zarahemla, Coriantumr kills Pecumini. So now they don't have a chief judge. Moroni goes and drives them all out. There's this kind of disorder. 
they once things calm down, they're like, hey, who should be our chief judge? So we got we uh, um, got to fill that, figure that out. So who the people vote for is Helaman. Um, now Helaman again, remember he's the son of Helaman. That's who we're talking about here, and he's now the chief judge. The same group who sent Kishkumen to kill Pahoran, they send in. They send him to kill uh, Helaman. Verse five, very interesting. It says, therefore he did flatter them and also Kishkumen that if they would place him in judgment seat, he would grant unto those who belonged to his band that they should be placed in power and authority among the people. This is what the secret combination is all about. It's all about power. When we get to chapter six, I have a list of things that I uh, uh, as through studying this week came across that uh, are what secret combinations, what are their purpose, what are they about, what we can learn about secret combinations. One of them is they want power. That's what it's all about. So, uh, Helaman's servant, it's pretty, this would be an interesting story to know more about. How did Helaman's servant come to know that this was Kishkumen? Did he, was he like undercover and he was going to these secret meetings? I don't know. But it ends up that he meets up with Kishkumen, gets Kishkumen to like, acknowledge that he's there to kill Helaman. So he's like, okay, yeah, let's go kill him. And as they're going, Kish, Helaman, or, yeah, Helaman's servant kills Kishkumen. So, uh, they now want to try to get out, get everyone, right? Who's in this Gadianton robbers, the Gadianton group. But when Gadianton, when Kishkumen didn't show back up, Gadianton kind of started to panic. So they all spread out and they're not able to find really any of them. And they just kind of mingle in with the people. And Mormon, though, ends by saying this, And more of this Gadianton shall be spoken hereafter. And thus ended the forty and second year of the reign of the judges of the people of Nephi. And behold, in the end of this book ye shall see this Gadianton did prove the overflow, yea, almost the entire destruction of the people of Nephi. And then he says, and he's clarified to say, I'm not, I'm not talking about the book of Helaman. I'm not talking about this record that I'm currently translating for you. I mean the end of the book of Nephi, the end of the record of my people, from which I have taken uh, all the account from which I have written. He's saying this Gadian, the Gadianton robbers, this these secret works that they that they brought back in, they did prove the destruction of of the entire people, not just the book of Helaman. My entire people, the history of my people, is concluded because of this. So I'll talk more about that, especially when we get to chapter six. Uh, again, like I've said, but just know that. Mormon and doing his his he's doing this historical research right and he's writing it. He's able to spot and say the problems I'm seeing now in my day, which is our it's 400. This is 400 years plus later or 300 some odd years later, uh, about 400. Mormon's able to look back and say that moment in time, these people right there, what they started, that's 400 years later. That's what laid the groundwork for the destruction of my people. And what's interesting, it's interesting to note that because, I mean, in between there, Jesus shows up and they have a really long time of righteousness. But it's those works and those secret combinations that people end up picking back up that end up leading to their destruction. Uh, I'll, I'll, I got more to say about that. I, I guess one thing I do want to point out, just in case I forget, because I'm not sure I have it in my notes, is just interesting to, note, to, to comment that uh, it's not very many years ago that Alma gave the record to his son Helaman and 
told him to keep these secret the secret works of darknesses of the people of Ether and the and the Jaredite people to keep that away from the from the masses. Don't put that down in the record, right? Don't share that. Well, he didn't have to share it, and we'll, and I will talk about another thing about it probably in chapter six because the author of that is Satan, and they didn't need to talk about it. Satan just put it in Gadianton and Kishkumen's heart. Um. All right, so now here's some some quotes. President Ballard said, The Book of Mormon teaches that, that secret combinations engaged in crime present a serious challenge, not just to individuals and families, but entire civilizations. They have secret signs and code words. They participate in secret rites and initiate cer- initiation ceremonies. Among their pur- purposes are to murder, plunder, steal, commit whoredoms, and all manner of wickedness, contrary to the laws of their country and also the laws of their god. If we are not careful, today's secret combinations can obtain power and influence just as quickly as, and just as completely as they did in the Book of Mormon times. Do you remember the pattern? The secret combinations began among the more wicked part of society, but eventually seduced the more righteous uh, part until the whole society was polluted. Polluted. And again, this is there's more to come, chapter six. Uh, but pre- Elder Ballard continued, The Book of Mormon teaches that the devil is the author of all sin and the founder of these secret combinations. He uses secret combinations, including gangs from generation to generation, according as he has to get hold upon the hearts of the children of men. His purpose is to destroy individuals, families, and community and nations. Again, his purpose is to destroy individuals, families, communities, and nations. What do you think the purpose of the of uh, secret combinations is then? to destroy individuals, families, community, and nations. To a degree, he was successful during the Book of Mormon times, and he is having far too much success today. That is why it is so important for us as priesthood holders to take a firm stand for truth and right by doing what we can to hold uh, and keep our commit- community safe. This is from 23 years ago, by the way, is when he said that. Uh, President Hinckley said, Terrorist organizations must be ferreted out and brought down. We of the people of this church know something of such groups. The Book of Mormon speaks of the Gadiant robbers, a vicious, oath-bound, and secret organization bent on evil and destruction in their day. Uh, they did all their, in their power by whatever means available to bring down the church, to woo the people with sophistry and to take control of society. We see the same thing in the present situation. We, the people... Well, sorry, excuse me. We are a people of peace. We are followers of Christ, who was and is the Prince of Peace. But there are times, and we must stand up for the right and decency. Uh, we, that we must stand up for the right and decency, for freedom and for civilization. Just as Moroni rallied his people in his day to the defense of their wives and their children, and the cause of liberty. Uh, interesting to note. I keep saying that. I don't, like that's a. I don't, I'm not going to say that again. Cool. This is cool. That was in October 2001, so that's conference right after uh, September 11th attacks here uh, on the U.S. soil. So, secret combinations. Here we go. Here we go. They Gadianton and the secret oaths. They popped up, and when did they pop up? They popped up when there was general discord among the people, and then, like it, uh, as President Ballard astutely pointed out happens in the more wicked part but eventually everyone adopts it and that leads to the downfall of civilizations and so we in our day need to recognize and know about that i'll have more to come about that i'll be reading some from ether uh, to tell you what moroni mormon's son tells us as he's was translating the book of ether for us and, and writing it transcribing it for us um 
he has a lot to say about us in our day recognizing those things. And so when we get to chapter six, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's it. Chapter one and two. Boom. Thanks for listening. I hope you uh, learned something. hope it gave you something to ponder and, and think about as you study and uh, seek the Spirit this week in your studies. Good luck, and I hope to catch you in the next episode as we discuss chapters three and four from Helaman.